Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. We are in a series called Your Story, where our guests will be sharing the story of healing their relationship with their body. Each person's story is unique to them, and we are humbled by their vulnerability and willingness to join us in this space. As a result, we will not be editing out as many numbers, specific behaviors, or details as we normally would. If anyone's story has details that trigger you due to your healing journey, please press pause and take care of yourself. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. All right, welcome listeners. Today we are sharing the story of Kylie Mitchell. She is known for her social media handle and blog, I'ma Eat That. <laughs> I love that. And we are super excited for you all to hear that in a minute. As we spoke with Kylie, we noted a theme in her story that we want to share with you all about what it means to take care of our bodies without tapping into diet culture and also how to know when our behaviors are no longer working for us. One of the big myths we hear about food freedom and body acceptance is that it means to eat whatever you want and not care about your body at all. The reason why this myth pops up is because it seems to be the opposite of diet culture messaging, when really food freedom is all about self-care and body attunement. Yeah, it definitely could hold both. And I think a lot of my clients come to me and it's like, well, if I have food freedom, then I'll just eat whatever I want whenever I want. And they don't really understand how to hold that middle ground. So we try to help clients, and I love what Kylie talked about today, of how to redefine self-care as a whole body experience. That can include honoring your physical, emotional, and mental needs. And guess what? Reality is, when you're in food freedom, sometimes your body wants veggies, and sometimes it wants ice cream, because both are great. And sometimes your body craves movement in a variety of ways, and sometimes it craves rest to heal and recuperate. The bottom line is body trust will increase body attunement. So we wanted to touch on one principle in intuitive eating, and it is principle number eight called respecting your body. The brief definition of respecting your body is accept your genetic blueprint. Just as a person with a shoe size of eight would not expect to realistically squeeze into a size six. It is equally futile and uncomfortable to have a similar expectation about body size, but mostly respect your body so that you can feel better about who you are. It's hard to reject the diet mentality if you are unrealistic and overcritical of your body size or shape. All bodies deserve dignity. So today as you listen to Kylie's story and as you navigate healing your body, try to keep this reflection prompt in mind. How do I learn to take care of my body and listen to it so I can feel truly at home in it? Here is a little bit about Kylie before we transition into the interview. Kylie Mitchell is a non-diet dietitian who helps make eating and being in your body less complicated. She owns I'ma Eat That, which consists of a blog and a private practice that supports and encourages women who struggle to feel at home in their natural body size. 
In addition to her work in the eating disorder and disordered eating field, Kylie also is a mom to two young children. Let's get to it. Well, welcome to our podcast. And to kick off the episode, we are going to surprise you and have you share with our listeners a fun fact about you. It's nothing, nothing big, just a fun fact. Take time to think about it. A fun fact. Uh-huh. Um, I... The thing that comes to mind, because I was looking this up before we started this, is, like, I really want to have, like, an extensive dress-up collection for my children, and so lately I've been, like, really into, like, um, figuring out the coolest dress-up outfit, so I got them, like, superhero capes, and then I just found this, like, jasmine dress that's, like, not the typical looking, like, it's something, like, you could wear out, but you could also dress up in. And so that is what comes to mind. I'm like really taking dress up seriously during COVID life right now. (laughs) My kids just challenged each other to put on old Halloween wigs and run up and down our street the other day. So we can definitely go play the game. That's so fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So awesome. I love it. Sweet. Well, thanks. All right, listeners. Fun fact. Yes. Kylie likes dress up and takes it serious. For my children. For her children. children. It's okay if you do For her children. Yes. Okay. (sighs) Anyways. All right, Rachel, you kick it off. All right. Well, could you please, this is a big general question, could you please share with us the story about healing your body? And were you breaking family legacies? How are you trying to rewrite your story? Could you just share your story with our listeners today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So I struggled with the eating disorder beginning like sophomore year of high school um, into college. And I like to keep like the eating disorder part of the story like pretty short because like it's not really the part of the story that matters. Like the healing is the part of the story that I think matters the most. Um, And so I, my mom, I I feel like I said this on many podcasts, but like my mom got sick um, with a staph infection in her brain and like we were told she was going to die. And that was like the start of my eating disorder. There was a summer when it was just real touch and go with if she was going to be okay or not. Um, and typically like if for people who end up with eating disorders, like if there is the trauma that happens that leads to their eating disorder development, it's usually about like six months between like the trauma, the traumatic period to when their eating disorder is really noticeable. Um, you can see it on kids' growth charts. That's when, it, if a weight loss was to happen as part of their eating disorder, that's when it happened. And so it happened very similarly to me. Um, just that summer, it was just so much with you're going to lose parent. That's a huge trauma to um, everything's fine and she's coming home and we're all good. And so it was just such a a crazy time. Um, and so I just started coping with food exercise and manipulating my body size. Um, and then it really wasn't until college when I kind of started thinking like, I just don't want these behaviors anymore. Um, or it really wasn't that I didn't want them anymore. It was that like my body was breaking down. Like a big part of my eating disorder was um, an obsession with running and just having to run more than um, was like healthy for my body. And so I just started noticing like, I can't do this anymore. And that was a really scary thing to have like my main way 
of coping, which was running to be started to be taken away from me. I started having a lot of like nerve pain, just like my, my limbs would feel tingly. Um, my spine hurt a lot. My knees were hurting. Um, and it started preventing me from running. I was just like, I am going to have to make a change here. So for me, that recovery process, the single best thing I did for my recovery was I stopped running. Um, for, and it ended up being for about seven years that I just like completely stepped away from that behavior. Um, to start that process, I took like three months off of all exercise. Like I allowed myself to like stretch, but movement was just like such a huge part of my eating disorder and such a way for me to purge, to get rid of the food I had eaten in my mind that I really had to stop to teach myself that like, I can eat food, it can stay in my body, this is good. I can find my set point weight and where my body is supposed to end up um, without exercise and without movement. And so that period was so helpful for me in healing. Um, and in that time, there was just this shift from like pursuing becoming smaller, which was very much something in my family that like we didn't really talk about, but it was just like assumed, like, of course you want to be thinner. Like, of course you want to be doing things that will make you be um, smaller. It wasn't about health. It was kind of like tangled up with health. Like it is healthy to be thin. Um, but in, in this recovery time, like I just started realizing like, and seeing this shift from pursuing thinness to I will take care of my body and do health promoting behaviors, but that doesn't guarantee thinness. Um, and so I just started like grappling with that idea of like, you know, what is my set point? Um, where, yeah, is my body going to end up? Um, how do I take care of myself and not pursue thinness? And so, you know, now where I'm at is, I have two young girls. I have like an almost three-year-old and then a one-year-old. Um, you know, there will be no modeling of dieting in our home. Like we practice intuitive eating. Um, my husband very naturally does that. Um, we move our bodies in ways that are joyful. Um, my husband likes to have some routine to the way he exercises. I prefer just to kind of like ask my body, like, how are you feeling? What do you need? What do I need to do to take care of it? Um, rather than having a rigid routine with movement, it's more of just like what, what is joyful to me, what would feel good, um, to move my body in that way. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am now. Um, I think about as my girls get older and then having fat like on their body, like how I do want to be honest that like, it's not always easy to have fat on your body in our culture. Like I don't want to pretend that like, it's so easy to accept your natural body size and just go through your life with fat on you. Um, I, I want them to know like, it's not their job to become smaller. Like I, I do believe we have like a personal responsibility to, take care of our bodies, but like, we do not have the responsibility to make sure we become a certain size. So I, I think about how I'll be navigating that conversation um, as they have, and as my girls have influences that aren't just me, like in school and um, when dieting becomes a thing that they may want to do. Um, yeah, so, so that's a mouthful, but that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, I have my first thought maybe for listeners are I think it's really important like 
you sharing, hey, I took a seven-year break from this movement that I actually really liked, but I recognize the kind of disordered relationship there. And so now, having gone through that experience, can you say that you have a balanced relationship with running or that's something that you've decided like I I don't really actually like it or mm-hmm. yeah this was like one of the last healing parts I feel that, that happened um running is like very hard on my body and so you know there are times in the past seven years where I've noticed a craving for running like that would feel really nice and I just found like I don't need to run even like half a mile to like satisfy that craving like I can literally run like a quarter mile and be like that felt awesome and I'm done um and so I think just being able to listen to your body and respond to what it's asking of you um is good like when you're when you're tired you rest and so there are times I do run now I don't think I will ever train for anything because I, and and that's been hard for me because that is something I I enjoyed in the past, even though it was like tangled up in the eating disorder, like training for a race or something. Um, But I, to do that, you have to go against what your body is asking of you for me and my experience, at least like to follow a schedule. Um, And I much prefer to like listen to my body and, and take care of it. Um, I don't think everyone who trains for something isn't taking care of themselves at all. Like different people need different things. Um, but like, yeah, where I'm at now, like, you know, I can run and not need to do it the next day or not even need to do it for the rest of the month. Um, it's a very sporadic thing. Um, I do still find it to be like a fun way to move my body, but I also recognize like I had to step away from it for seven years to like get to this place. And I'm like very protective of that. Like if running ever felt compulsive or like it made me pre- more preoccupied with my body size, which there were times when I have ran in the past and it, it did like within that seven years, I would just go for like a s- short jog. And I'm like, I'm more preoccupied with like my body size. I feel like I can't um, tune into my hunger and fullness cues quite as well. I'm I'm not interested in doing this. I don't want to give up like the intuitive nature I've developed um, because exercise is something that can interfere with like intuitive eating and your hunger and fullness cues because it can dysregulate a bit how you're connecting with your body. And so um, I do feel like I've found like a healthy relationship with running now, but it it looks drastically different than running and my eating disorder. It's not a way to cope. I would never cope with running. Um, my coping is very still. My coping is is sitting, it's journaling, it's going to therapy. Um, there's no processing with exercise. Exercise adds more joy, movement adds more joy to my life. It's not a way to distract um, anymore just because that was always part of the eating disorder for me. And if I ever started coping with like eating disorder behaviors again, obviously that would be bad so um, right yeah yeah but I think it's motivational to be like hey wait I had to walk walk away for this period of time which I know is different for every person but that you know this healing relationship can come in the end and it's it's a positive one but it does look different so I think that's awesome um I wanted to touch on like what makes you passionate about sharing your story and what you share on your social media. Like why have you chosen 
that platform to be vulnerable, to share your story, to allow listeners really into a vulnerable place in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think at first, you know, I really liked Instagram and I loved just that way to connect with people. And I felt like there were about a lot of bad influences out there from like very, just people who have orthorexia and don't realize they have orthorexia and just like promote it as um, wellness. And so I, I liked being a voice where like fast food is convenient. Sometimes it makes sense to eat for convenience and therefore eat fast food. Um, and just, you know, having a platform to talk about like tuning into hunger and fullness cues and um, just like what I believe is truly taking care of your body. Um, lately though, like I I've been pretty done with Instagram. Um, and I'm just enjoying putting more of my energy and focus into the blog. Um, Instagram just started seeming like very impersonal. Uh, I felt like it kind of gave like, and this was all like me not setting a boundary, but it gave people more access to me than I was comfortable with giving. Um, and so And I feel like even just me being on it, like instead of being intentional about the information, like I'm consuming, it's just this like constant influx of noise. I was just like halfway engaging with. And so I do not use Instagram much. Like, I mean, I, when I'm on a podcast, I promote the podcast on Instagram, but, um, most of my focus is now on the blog. And I, I really like the blog being, um, just like the journey of a person's life who's chosen to recover from an eating disorder. And like when you recover, you don't recover to a life of like everything's easy and it's rainbows and butterflies. Like it's still hard. It's still hard to like accept the changes that come with your body. And like, I've had two kids now, my body is different. And just like that choice to stay recovered, even when it's not easy to accept yourself. Like I want the blog to be like a picture of that. Um, I, I don't think it's always for like people who are, you know, in the beginning of eating disorder recovery. Um, I think it's more towards for people who are like in the mid to like end or past recovery. Um, and just are, are working to, you know, accept their body size, even though it's not easy. Um, so yeah, that, that's, um, been where my focus has been. It kind of makes me sad because I know that, well, and happy for you, you know, but like that, like I've, I have followed you for quite a while and I'm, I really am. I suck at Instagram. Rachel is really our Instagram guru. She's, it's a love hate relationship with her and Instagram, but like, you know, I, I guess, it's just sad that you're saying like, hey, there was this platform and then there's so much influx of noise that you necessarily can't control because you're trying to do something. It's a draining platform. Yeah. And so as a result, you had to really step away because people, it's just an influx. I I like that phrase, an influx of noise that you can't really turn down it's either you keep on or turn off but that almost links um, to your original story of your relationship with running and exercise too like we try something and we experiment and then we have to give ourselves permission to take breaks to step back to like look at our values and see what we need to tweak so that our story can continue to be aligned with who we are so I like that that's kind of been a, a theme for you in your process about you know, let me, let me always take a, a look at what's, what I have in my life and where it's serving me and where it's not serving me. 
Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I, I so agree with that. Like, I feel like Instagram, there was just demands being made of me that weren't in line with my values. And again, this isn't like anyone who was doing this to me. It was just how I reacted to being on there. Um, no one was saying like, you do this for me now or anything like that. It was just like, um, just, you know, me wanting to be who I am and the noise to be someone else just feeling very, very loud. Um, and I feel like there's more like intimate things I would like to be doing. Like I would, I would love to write a book and I have so many ideas for that. I would love to lead like small um, groups of women on like their body image journeys. Um, there, there are other things I need to do. And I feel like Instagram was just like taking a lot of the, the space in my life. And I read this thing that Warren Buffett did where he's like, you, you write down a list of 25 like things you want to accomplish and then you cross out 20 of them. And so then you're just left with five and it's kind of like focusing via like eliminating the distractions from your life and like, like updating Instagram was definitely on there and like being engaged with that platform and just, it just takes too much time and like distracts me from like those five core things that I think would actually really help people um, and like serve my family better than, than me being on Instagram. And so it's definitely been a shift. Um, I, I feel like I had this seed planted a while ago and I'm, I'm Christian. So like um, I believe in like the Holy spirit planting seeds and things and just like, I, I think a quiet, simple life is pleasing to God. And that would just, has just kind of been my um what I'm heading towards for the last two years of just like how can I make my life more quiet and more simple and I think getting rid of Instagram is one of those things um but I'm still on it like I haven't totally let it go it's not like I've deleted my account so um who knows it's it's a process hey hey listeners we are excited to tell you about this amazing brand we just discovered called Dia their philosophy is to design clothing for women that want great fashion and proper fit in sizes 14 plus. As you learn to embrace your mom jeans, check out Dia to find denim jeans with a J and a complete outfit for your perfect fit. To help you feel fabulous in your mom bod, Dia is offering our listeners an exclusive savings. To get 30% off, head to dia.com, that's D-I-A, and use our code MOMJEANS, M-O-M-G-E-N-E-S. You can try the clothes on in the comfort of your own home, keep what you love, and always get free shipping and returns. Finally, a brand that has your mom jeans in mind. Visit Dia.com and use code MOMJEANS to get 30% off your order. Dia is excited to work with Mom Jeans, the podcast, this season. So head to Dia.com and use code MOMJEANS to receive 30% off your order. All right, let's head to our episode. I, I wanted to ask a little bit more about what really motivates you. Like, what's your why for having that positive body relationship? And I want to circle back, too, to the fact that you had said earlier when you were sharing your story that your your why for ending exercise was really an awareness of your body not feeling well, not doing well, not being able to operate well. Even though, I love your acknowledgement, even though you still kind of wanted to have the behaviors like sometimes we want things and we also have to then circle back and listen to something deeper or listen to our body and honor that so I don't I I had that in my mind and then I also wanted to see if if it was that or if there's more to what your why is for having that positive body relationship Mm -hmm. yeah um 
Yes. I like with the running stuff, like still, I, I still enjoyed it even when it was like hurting my body. I think it really, um, you know, people who end up with eating disorders, they have a lot of typically have a lot of like just free floating anxiety and how they like kind of um, package up that anxiety and manage it is through behaviors with food, exercise, or body size manipulation. And so like it, it felt good to run. It felt good to not have to sit in that free floating anxiety. Um, but at some point I decided that like, yes, it's harming my body. And um, this is not the life I want for myself. I want to wake up and have slow mornings. I don't have to want to move every day. I don't want to have to have this like internal clock, like thinking, did I move today? Did I not move today? Like I, I want freedom from that. And I, I have that now. And so um, I would say my why for having a positive body relationship. Um, it's really for me, like, I don't, I don't want to hate myself. Um, I think it's exhausting to go through life without feeling at home in your body. Um, I think, you know, trying to lose weight and become smaller, or even like, to have so much focus and obsession of like maintaining your weight um, is a constant attempt to be someone you weren't created to be. It's trying to be someone different. Um, I, I'm not against weight loss. Like I think weight loss can be a side effect of caring for yourself for sure. Um, that was not my case. Um, but I, I feel like my why is really because I don't want to go through life hating myself. Like that's just such an exhausting way to go through life. Um, I've heard the analogy. It's like, driving around in your car with the emergency brake on, that's like very wearing to the car. Um, and hating yourself is very wearing on your body. It's very hard to care for something um, you hate and to do nice things for it. And so I think I'm my why because that's a, a horrible, exhausting, draining way to live. I love that. I feel like a lot of times people are doing it for others. And I love when it can like really circle back and be like, no, wait, like I'm the core to all this. And I think like you bring up a good point, like there is research out there showing that like the constant preoccupation and obsession about our body actually causes our body to stay really stressed and be at a space where it really doesn't want to be. And that a lot of the healing truly comes when we can fully engage in that surrender and then our body can release that, release that trauma, release that stress, release whatever tension is there, and then it finds its place. Now, granted these places I call tears, they're life tears. So a lot of times when working with clients, I talk about the fact that like, we are never going to be the same weight because there's different tears in our life. We had a child tear, we had a teenage tear, we had a pre-mom tier or pre-parent tier, post-parent tier, like all these different tears in our life. We're gonna hit the menopause tier whatever that may be, that causes our body to shift and change. So this idea of like set point theory, I'm not trying to disprove it or anything, but like to lock onto this idea that we're meant to stay the same weight for the rest of our lives. I think we're setting ourselves up for disappointment if we're really latching onto that. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the body is going to change as we age. I, I think that's a really good um, description. Like we have these tiers of like, your body's likely going to stabilize at a set point, but it's going to be, it's going to change. Like you're going to continue to age and grow and there's going to be hormonal shift at menopause and like your weight will shift up. Like the majority of women will have um, a, a body fat 
redistribution, like going from more of like a pear shape to an apple shape because of how hormones are shifting during that time. And I, I don't think that's something to fight. I mean, your job is to take care of yourself. We don't get to guarantee thinness. And again, this isn't easy. Um, but I just think it's exhausting to always be like thinking we're going to stay the same. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a myth bodies are definitely supposed to change and evolve like as we age I think um it shifts it back to kind of the phrase that you were saying again with your kids like really trying to normalize fat and yeah it isn't easy especially if you know fat is existing in a way that society is demonizing on our bodies but I think it first comes from our language where a lot of times you'll hear like someone say like, well, I, I feel like I have more fat. Oh, no, you're not fat. You're beautiful. And like really creating this dichotomy between either you're fat or this, right, that you can't be both. And what I think is an important language is really recognizing that we can be both. We can be fat and beautiful, fat and smart, fat and whatever you want to insert there, that it isn't either or, right? And so really helping normalize that for ourselves as we enter into these tiers or as we really come into that body trust or body respect, um, even before maybe acceptance, and then hopefully shifting that onto our kids so that they can really learn that philosophy. Yeah, even lately, I feel like I've been just thinking about the art that's in our home and just um, the art hanging in my daughter's rooms, like making sure like there are, there is at least a photo of like a fat woman um, in, in an age appropriate way. Um, like I have one now that's just a woman, it's like her side profile and she's in a bathing suit and she's um, not really hunched over, but she just has like, you know, breasts and then like another roll of her stomach and then just like another like roll. And it's just, I, I think it's beautiful. She's in a bathing suit. I don't know if I mentioned that she's not naked. Um, and I, I love it being in there. Like, because like, I think it, I hope it normalizes the fact that like, this is a body um, I accept and I, I want to frame, like I want to frame and put this on your wall. Cause I think there is so much beauty in um, all body sizes and that like your body size does not determine if you are a good person or beautiful um, or healthy like it, it is other factors that play into that. What message do you want to share to our listeners who are navigating this journey of healing their negative body image or their disordered eating habits like what what is your kind of go-to message that you would love to share? <laughs> yeah um, I think that for me, like what has been helpful is just realizing that like, this isn't an easy journey. It's not always easy to accept the fat that's on your body. Um, and like every once in a while, like, you know, if I outgrow an outfit, um, an outfit I love, like I, there's this dress that, um, was my grandma's and I love it. And I've actually decided like, it's changing with me. Um, and so like, I just go get it tailored when I grow out of it. And sometimes that means I'm getting it tailored bigger. And sometimes that means I'm getting it tailored smaller, but like about every two years, like I get it changed. Cause I'm like, I love this dress, but that's a side note. Um, if I, I love outgrow, that, yeah. If I outgrow an outfit though, like, um, I'm okay. Like, 
or even if like my function decreases in some way, like my knee pain is worse than usual. Um, or I've been, you know, rocking a sick child and my back hurts and I can't like move in the way I want for a couple weeks. Um, just a reminder that like, I'm, I'm okay. And I feel like I have these check-ins with myself. Like so far they've been after like main like life transitions, like after having each child, I'm like, like I, I'm okay. Like this body is different. This body is not familiar to me. I, I don't quite feel at home in this body. I'm just still getting used to that. And that, that is okay. Um, and so I think it's just like that reminder that it's okay. Like not to have everything figured out that it is a process to feel at home in your body. Um, and I guess like ultimately, like I, who I am is not determined by the level of fat on my body. Um, I feel like that is hard in our culture because like weight stigma is a real thing that happens. Um, but I, everyone, regardless of fatness is like worthy of like love and acceptance. Um, and you know, if a person isn't receiving that based on body size, like they, they should stand up for themselves and, um, find someone who does give them, whether it's a doctor, professional, loved one, like give them the support and acceptance that they do deserve. I love the, like one, yes to all of that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And two, I love, I'm going to latch on to these key phrases where it's like, this dress is going to grow with me, right? So flowing back to those tears and recognizing that even if our body's not going up and maybe it's staying the same, it's going to be different in this new tier of life. And then therefore things may fit differently. And an outfit that you've been holding on to for the last five years, 10 years, like I'm a very capsule wardrobe human where I could literally never buy clothes again and be the happiest person. But that's not realistic because my body keeps changing. And so like, but hey, these clothes, the ones that I really love are going to grow with me. So you can go get them tailored or if you're not, then figure out a way that they can feel good. You know, I we just read, I think we posted this Instagram post or maybe I did on my business one where it's like a bra should not be a torture device. If that bra is digging into your sides and you are feeling it, it's time to get a new bra, right? Like, or I love now like t-shirt bras, no more like underwire or pads or whatever. Like you're going to see my nips through this bra because that's just, <laughs> that's just where I am in my life. Right. Um, but it's so comfortable. Like, you know, or I could go braless, but I'm not. So I'm going to wear t-shirt bras. <laughs> yeah. I remember like earlier in my life being very concerned if like my underwear lines were visible and like I was talking to a friend a couple of years ago. I was like, that is not something I care in the least about anymore. Like no. who, I, it, who cares? Like if that is something that like bothers someone else, like that, that is their issue that they need to figure out. Um, but yeah, I, I, what you said, it made me think, it made me think, I think it's a Janine Roth quote similar to about like, uh, you, we shouldn't wear pants that like offend us in any way that are like uncomfortable or like hurt our thighs. No, it wasn't Janine Roth. It was, um, oh crap, what's her name? I can't remember her name, um, but it's another author, but she was like, yeah, our pants should not offend our thighs in any way. They should not be 
uncomfortable. Um, and so I love that idea of like a bra should be comfortable. It's, it's very hard to be at home in your body if like you have something causing you pain on it. Like it's very, it, your clothes need to be comfortable to work towards accepting your body size. Like it's, that's a, yeah, that, that's important for sure. Starting <laughs> points there. Yeah. So what's the greatest lesson that you've learned in your journey? Definitely being okay. I guess like I can have, it's similar to what I've said. I can have fat on my body and care for myself. I never thought I would be at home in a body that like even the size I am now, like I never thought I would be comfortable with it. And this doesn't mean I don't have bad body image days, but like I like myself. Um, and a lot of days that has nothing to do with my body size. Um, and so I guess like, I never thought I would feel like at home and comfortable in a body that is this size. And I, I love being this size. Um, besides my eating disorder wanted me to be is just so comical. Um, and just, it was so off of like what I was truly supposed to weigh. Um, and I think it's just, it's just kind of shocking that like I could find peace, um, at a size my eating disorder convinced me I would be miserable at. What are some of your go-to resources that have been helpful for you or that you would want to share with our listeners? Yeah, Um, I've always liked the Food Psych podcast. That was super helpful for me in the beginning of recovery. Um, I love the Intuitive Eating book um, by Evelyn Triboli. I love Body Respect by Linda Bacon. Christy Harrison has a book, Anti-Diet, that's super well done as well. Um, I'd say those are some of my like favorites uh, to get people thinking. Um, yeah, there's a lot of resources, but I, yeah, those are my favorites. I don't know, after this conversation, we might need to add some bra resources here. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, Nick. Oh, there you go. Um, K-N-I-X. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sweet. If they, they're good. They don't have like underwire. Um, and some of my clients in larger bodies have like really like that. They have like realistic sizes that are great for all body sizes. Love so that. there you go. There, there we go. go. So where can our listeners find you, especially since you're dialing back from Instagram? Tell us about your blog. Yeah. So I blog at imayeatthat.com. Um, I post every Wednesday. I try to have the post up by 9 a.m. unless like one of my children is in need of something which so it's usually not up by 9 a.m but around then um but yeah not on instagram much anymore i'd say the blog is the best place um i like to respond to the comments i get on the blog i love the discussions people have in the comment section um and yeah that's the best place to find me until i decide to write a book or start a support group or something yeah awesome and and do you have a private practice as well or yeah, I, I do. Um, I work with people who have disordered eating or eating disorders. I'm a dietitian. And so um, if people would like to work with me, they can always reach out. Um, right now, everything's virtual because of COVID, which I like some days and hate some days. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I think my eyes are bleeding by the end of the day. But you know, it's at least I don't yeah. have to sit in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right? So I know. Seeing the light on all angles. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We appreciate the chat and for you sharing your story. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. This was great. Awesome.
We hope you felt inspired and moved by this week's story. Please reach out to the person interviewed to connect with them in the ways they listed, or you can check out our social media pages at Mom Jeans the podcast for details on the episode and to find our guest's information. If you love the episode, please leave us a rating and review us on iTunes and recommend this episode to a friend. We are sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.